0: It's not related on circumstances. In fact, tough circumstances can become an avenue to closeness to God you wouldn't dream of because he is near to those who mourn. Amen? He is near to those in grief. You're as, tell your neighbor, you're as close to God as you want to be. It's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Jesus came, was announced to be the fulfillment of the prophecy where God would send a Messiah whose name would be Emmanuel, God with us. He came in flesh and bone. He came visibly and audibly and in every way. He could be sensed by the human senses. And he's still with us today through his spirit. And we're going to talk about drawing near to him within the context of the vision for our church. Let's look at some Old Testament prophecies, some other ones. Jeremiah also wrote this in chapter 24, verse 7. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. The key to drawing near to God is seeking him with all of your heart. Just as a marathon runner wants to finish his race, he pursues that finish line with all of his heart. So those who draw near to their God draw near to him with all of their heart. And here's this promise. He's ending his book. Still, this theme runs throughout his book. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four. The day is coming and Hebrews announces that it's here. Chapter 8, verse 11. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Aren't you glad about that? Oh, but I've done wrong. Yes, that makes you a candidate for this promise. Amen. You cannot be your own savior. You cannot be good enough to get God. You get God and he makes you good there's any good in me or in any of us, it's because he's bringing the change. As we seek to know him, those people caught up in wickedness in chapter 9 was a result of their not knowing him. They're not being acquainted with God. They're not spending time with him. Here's some New Testament promises. Jesus prayed this prior to going to the cross. He said, and this is eternal life. He's praying to the Father that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life speaks of an unending existence, the immortality of the soul, the eternal forgiveness for those things that have separated us from God. This is what eternal life is about, is knowing Him, getting to know Him. It would be an awesome thing to know a world ruler to truly be able to spend an afternoon with George Bush or to, if you're temperate, to have a beer, I can't stand this stuff, with President Obama. That really would be an awesome experience to come away getting to know something. But we have the opportunity of getting to know Almighty God who has no pretense, who would not manipulate the conversation to pursue His political good. He is holy, holy, holy. The one who was and is and is to come. This is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ whom God has sent. John wrote this in his letter, his first letter, verse, chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life that we may know Him Who is true? I think it's the Westminster Creed that says the chief aim of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas recently said that his brother's death caused him to reevaluate his life. Burying his soul, he said work became irrelevant. Being on the Supreme Court became meaningless. He realized that there are three F's that you want to get in life. Friends, family, and faith that are paramount. He said it is not who is the smartest or who has written the most legal opinions or the most dissents, but it's those who have faith in God, those who have family, and those who have friends. There's nothing like a loss to cause you to consider is this all there is in life? If you're here today, you may be in a season of mourning, and I want to bring good news to you. This is not all there is. The human existence is so complex, it ought to be a picture. It ought to be a clue that when you're dead, you're not dead. And there is God, you must face the future with. Are you ready to meet Him? Amen? I'd like to talk to you about our vision, our G-local or glocal vision. We want to be a local church, but also a global church. We want to be a global church, but also a generational church. A church that, a body of people that, a congregation that pursues the purpose of God in space, through the planet Earth, and in time. Present in this service today are great-grandkids and great-grandparents. Four generations are here. It's our name. It's part of our focus. is to know God. And we want our children to know God, our grandchildren to know God, and our great-grandchildren to know God. Amen? We want Granberry to know God, and we want Hood County to know God, and we want North Central Texas to know God, and DFW to know God, and the United States to know God. Amen? We want Mexico to know God. And Canada to know God. And Latin America and Europe and Asia and Africa and Australia and all of the islands to know God. If, if we're not participating in that global cause, we're falling short of God's call for His church. This is why Jesus came to establish the church. So that we could be an influence for good in the earth. He said that we are salt and light. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. That is you and me. And it... All revolves around knowing Emmanuel, God with us. We want to know him and make him known in real time. We don't want to just have a mission statement or a vision quest. We want to have some stuff happening with some substance that we can put our teeth in, amen. We don't want to just talk about evangelism and discipleship. We want to do something about it. Amen to this generation and beyond, to this community and beyond. This is our vision. Knowing God is why we highly value having daily times with God and not forsaking assembling with believers. These two things are keys to growing in your relationship with God. I want to encourage you today. If you feel that your prayers are juvenile, I've got good news for you. That's the kind of prayers God wants. We come to him as a child. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you come as a child. It's in the reality of the Christian existence. I love to hear beautiful prayers. I believe they're powerful. But it's not the words, it's the heart that the Father's looking for. Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's that genuineness of heart that is the key. Having daily times with God for worship, prayer, and repentance. I added repentance because if you draw near to God, He will bring to your attention something that grieves Him. It'll be one thing. What is that one thing? You may have a dozen things that you're involved in to be guilty about, but a lot of times those things are related to one thing. Maybe you got a series of addictions going on. That one thing is fear. That is a sin or worry that creates a scenario for you to have to medicate on all these other things. Get to the root of the issue and he'll give you grace to repent so just worship Him, come to Him as you are, praise Him, and if there's something He wants to deal with your heart on, He will. And don't run from it, don't shut it off. Just say, "Okay, God, here I am, I'm ready to deal." Where is this coming from? And just with Him. Oh, but can't you give you a give me a formula? You know, get a pillow and put it in the corner, and and get a Bible and put it on a table, and no, it's it's. Not a formula, it's a relationship. Daily times with God for reading your Bible and journaling. Journaling basically is making notes of what God is showing you, making notes of the things that you're learning. You need to have respect for your thoughts. Have respect for your th- for your own poems. Have respect for your own uh, inspirations. And your own prayers. Write them down. Hold on to them. There are benchmarks in your walk with God waiting for you to record them. Habakkuk has this verse. To write the vision down and make it plain. So that he who reads it may run with it. And it's in writing the visions down. The ideas and the dreams that God is generating in your heart. Steps of actions. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He'll give you steps of actions. that, That... are just incredible steps that will, the Christian life is simple. You just relate to him, spend time with him and write stuff down and you'll grow in him. Amen. Second aspect of the Christian life, as I mentioned earlier, the horizontal aspect is assembling with other believers. I love to go to and crusades and concerts. I love that. But that's, that's a gathering, all right, all right. But that's not truly an assembly. You know, I could take my watch apart. Probably hundreds of parts. And put them in a bag and I would have a gathering, wouldn't I? But I would not have an assembly. This is a timely word for somebody. But when it's properly assembled... Then it works and functions in its purpose. As believers, we all have different gifts. The Bible says some are hands, some are feet, some are noses, some are ears, some are mouths, some are brains. Some of us have more brains than others. Some of us have more heart than others. And when we meet together and assemble as believers, we are the functioning body of Christ in the earth. And together we make an impact more than we would separately. It's a synergy. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together the more often as you see the day approaching, the book of Hebrews tells us. We assemble together for public worship. Wasn't that awesome? Can you guys come back and do that salt and light song? And then, however, you know, however long you all want to worship, you didn't get enough worship today, you don't have to leave. This thing's over. Let's let's see. Let's see, let's see you go for it. Amen. Prayers. We meet together. There's time to receive prayer. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am the midst. If two of you will agree, it shall be done. There's just powerful things happen when we pray together. And fellowship, friendship, Christians encouraging each other. Sometimes our most powerful services are when the preacher says amen and the fellowship begins. And then the encouragement really goes on. But I want to encourage us in the midst of our fellowship, we don't want to get in a mode of always trying to fix one another. Sometimes someone just wants somebody to hear them out. You know the truth, but you just need to share your burden with somebody so you can go to the throne together. Amen. Some charismatic churches, they're just, they just pounce on any weakness they see and it kills, it kills fellowship. Makes people hide. So we meet together for biblical encouragement these involve us in worship fellowship and discipleship knowing god if you want to read a good book in your devotional time i recommend 40 days of purpose the purpose-driven life each day is a different little chapter in the book covering uh, five aspects of the christian walk worship fellowship discipleship ministry and mission Which brings us to the second half of our vision statement, making him known, knowing him and making him known. This is why we highly value spreading his truth in word and deed. St. Francis said, or was it Francis of Assisi? Which one of it said it? I used to know until a guest speaker said he didn't know and now I'm not sure. (laughs) No, Richard's messed me up. Preach the gospel everywhere and when necessary, use words. And there are times it will be necessary for that. But sometimes showing somebody's love is, is more powerful at times than telling them you love them. Amen? Spreading his truth in word and in deed and befriending the unchurched and unbelieving. We'll never get so sanctified that we cannot be friends with someone who's an atheist or a Buddhist or, or an agnostic or someone of a different political party. <laughs> Spreading his truth in word and deed. We, pers- we personally participate in this and financially participate in this. This is what tithes and offerings are about. Giving towards the cause of making him known. And through serving local, national, and international Ministry. We have long term missionaries out on the field that we support every month. Out in the foyer is a little brochure there in the brochure rack entitled Generations Extensions. And it's a list of some of the ministries that we support. And we also participate in what they're doing by sending people to help them. I got to go visit what was happening in Haiti and participate there and preached 24 different sermons. In six days, I thought I was in heaven. It was fun. Third world countries, time's not an issue as much as it is here. Befriending the unchurched and unbelieving. Following Jesus Christ's example. He was criticized for being the friend of sinners. I could almost hear him thinking, indict me on that, yeah. Yeah. Avoiding isolationism. Um, Our youth pastor and worship pastor, lead worshiper here is Andrew Duncan. He's married to a lovely girl from Colorado named Jess. And they are in Berlin. They're being a support to a ministry that we support there. In view of possibly us sending a team to Berlin next summer, who'd like to go to Berlin, next summer? Amen. And uh, so when he, he when he got married, Yvette and I went to Colorado to participate. He asked us to, so we participated in his wedding. It was it was beautiful. I never spent any time in Colorado before, but we went a few days early, and I got to go to Manitou Springs with Yvette for. A day. We didn't stay there, but we rode the train up to the top of Pikes Peak. And when we got up there and got out of the train, my body said, Must have carbs. Must have carbs now. <laughs> Went inside, bought me a big fries, and sat down till I finished. <laughs> Potatoes never tasted so good. But in Manitou Springs is a cult. People, uh, you read their publications, they are, they are missing the hippie days. These are, I mean, they're trying to go back to the 70s big time. And they live in three or four houses, 200 people living communally, uh, and they have an ax to grind with organized religion. If that's not organized, how 200 people can live in four or five houses and get along with each other, that's beyond me. But living in isolation, that is not God's will. But for some reason, that appeals to us. And I think I know why. There's an instinct inside every, every Christian longing for heaven. We just, how many, how many want to go to heaven? How many want to go on this next load? <laughs> Sorry, Josh, are not drinking the Kool-Aid today. Sorry, elders, we can't fill the baptistry up to the brim anymore. Anyway. There's something in us that, that wants to have heaven on earth. And yet, we're called to be a kingdom expression in the midst of darkness. If we go live in caves somewhere, we'll enjoy each other, but we we, we fail to be salt and light. Salt does no good in the shaker. It's got to get out. Right? Light does no good under a bushel, Jesus said. Got to shine the light. Here's a humorous video. Some of you may actually want to move here, but if you do, you're missing the whole point of it. These things involve our ministry and our mission.
1: Mom, where's Timmy?
0: He's gone to be with the Lord.
1: He's dead? No, silly. He and his family have moved to Bubble Creek Canyon. Do you dream of a day when you can drive to work without being forced to look at unchristian billboards and bumper stickers? when you can turn on the radio without hearing the electric guitar or some other horrible instrument of the devil, when you don't have to interact with bozos who have the audacity to disagree with you, well, at Bubble Creek Canyon, your dreams can come true. Hello, or as we like to say at Bubble Creek Canyon, heaven-o. Bubble Creek Canyon is an isolated community nestled in 3,500 acres of magnificent and desirable real estate. Best of all, it's 100% heathen-free. That's right, and you'll think it's the next best thing to heaven. At Public Creek Canyon, we use an elaborate screening process to ensure that our residents completely agree with our doctrine. No ifs, ands, or Buddhists. We're a heavily gated community with fantastic facilities, breathtaking sight lines, and Christianized amenities. We have a Christian shoe store, a Christian t-shirt store, a Christian underwear store, a Christian bank, Christian grocery, Christian car dealership, Christian pet store, Christian liquor store, and a Christian tattoo parlor. Temporary, of course. We have a nationally recognized school district and only one textbook. We also think you're going to like our library. Let this filth get in here. At the BCC Cinema, you can watch all the latest movies without worrying about the questionable content because we removed it all. Every home comes with a spacious backyard with plenty of room for an optional baptism pool. Hey, pin the ear on the high priest soldier, one of my personal favorites. And each home comes equipped with built-in Christian signage. Just try to pull this off the wall. With our combination cable and internet package, you'll have access to ES Pray End, My Heavenly Space, God Tunes, Godopedia, God Gold, God Bay, Godcast, and the Sopranos. Every morning a copy of our community paper will be delivered to your doorstep. And our publication is committed to protecting you from all that unpalatable bad news that's always happening around the world. Our landscaping company, Holy Ground, will make sure that your front yard is always impeccably manicured. We've added a new feature this year. Around the holidays, special sensors in the streetlights detect non-nativity ornamentation and act quickly to eliminate these unsightly icebergs. Bubble Creek Canyon. If God wasn't omnipresent, he'd probably live here.
0: We have 11 acres back here, and for two months... We had an idea box out there. Thank God nobody gave a suggestion that said Christian trailer park. Our family used to live in one. It was not good. Because you know what? Christians have flesh to deal with too. One Christian had a dog that used to get loose and tear up another Christian's garbage bags. So that other Christian picked that dog up and drove him miles away and dropped that dog in a dumpster. (laughs) Needless to say, they brought that mess into the church. Got really ugly if you quit going to our church because then you would have to move from our trailer park. And let me tell you, moving a trailer is expensive. Manufactured house, pardon me. We've lived in three, so praise the Lord. amazing to me, the people who lived in the trailer park were the ones who were late to church. A.A. <laughs> a. Allen started a subdivision called Miracle Valley in Arizona. They had all kinds of ungodly problems there over the years. It's our flesh we must deal with. It's not our neighbors, it's us. And we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. So if you run that pesky neighbor off, guess what? God may allow two to move in their place. So, same thing goes for the church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. If there is, then I better not join it. A little humor there, never mind. Amen. Hallelujah. This Wednesday, we're viewing this video, and I would like for our whole church to come. I can't make you come. This is not a night for men. This is a night for the congregation. Um, over a year ago, I had lunch with David Murrow and got his book and got his video. And I've thought about this thing for a year, and it's, it's impacted on some of the things that we do here. And I think our church will make a whole lot more sense to you if you watch this video with me Wednesday. It's 35 minutes long, and it's fast moving. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So I encourage you to come and watch this if you can. Um, I've showed it to the pastors in the city. Um, I've showed it to women. It's not a woman-bashing thing at all, but it's powerful. If we're going to make him known, we need to understand any obstacles that we may have in our culture that could hinder us from doing that. So who will try to come Wednesday? Just let me know. All right, you'll enjoy it. And we can go for snow cones afterwards or something. Anyway, so. Praise the Lord. A few years ago, for our 25th anniversary, Yvette and I went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Who's been to Hot Springs, Arkansas? It's a nice place. And on Sunday morning, we went to a vineyard church. and Because I, I love vineyard church music, it was awesome. And, Anyway, they sang Chris Tomlin songs that day for some reason, so it was still great. <laughs> and during worship, the, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, The address of the building you all have just built, we've been here about a year, is significant. 5718 East Highway 377. And I thought, 5718. Yes, it's a scriptural address that is significant scripture to one of the purposes for the church you serve as pastor. And I thought, 5718. It could only be in Psalms or Isaiah. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Psalms has 150. So I went to Psalm and Psalms 57 did not have Uh, I think it only has like 13 verses. It didn't have... There wasn't a verse 18 in Psalm 57. So, yeah, preachers do it too. Sometimes you search through the Bible during worship. But I was having this time with the Lord. And I went to Isaiah 57 and there it was. The context around verse 18 of Isaiah 57 is talking about backsliders. God's heart for those who at one time had followed him And have gone astray. Stay with me here. I'm going somewhere. And right in the heart of those promises is this verse that is a promise to the backslider that I believe the Lord showed me is one of his purposes for us as a church. And our call to know him and to make him known is to also not only help the heathens to know him, but also to help those who've gotten off track To know him as well. Amen. To get reacquainted with him. Here is Isaiah 57. 18. Talking about the backslider. God says. I have seen his ways. And will heal him. I will also lead him. And restore comforts to him. And to his mourners. So, sometime in your own time, read the context there, the few verses preceding and few verses following. If you've strayed from God, God wants you back. Um, if the truth be known, He's got you covered anyway. He's got your address his and His chastening hand is at work and He's the reason why you're here. But He wants your whole heart back on track with Him. Just pursue a relationship with Him like you've never known, maybe like you had, but even better. He's seen your ways and He's seen the impact that has had on your life. He has not mocked you, will reap what you sow. He's seen the hardship that you're in or the road that you're heading, the destruction that is coming. And He promises to heal you and to lead you and to restore comforts to you and to those who mourn for you. Is anybody here who's had mourning in your life because of a family member or a friend that you once walked with the Lord with. This is a promise to you that God will restore comforts to your friend. The Holy spirit is our comforter and to you. The word I have in my heart today is for those who are in a backslidden condition, they have got to be alarmed by the condition of the world. They have to. We've seen the fall of communism and we, we see at least a dress rehearsal for the fall of capitalism. I don't know what would happen if we had a, a, a few disasters, political and, and other things, could push us over the edge and bring capitalism down. I don't know. I don't worry about it. I trust him. If gas goes up to $5 a pint, we're going to make it because we're in this thing together. Amen? amen. But if you... Or away from the Lord, maybe you feel unworthy of returning back to Him. you, you got to be alarmed to see biblical prophecy in operation coming to pass. It's got to be a great concern to them. Is there anyone here that knows somebody that is that is away from the Lord and yet they're very concerned? Maybe they're a radical right-winger or a left-winger blaming the Republicans for everything or all the Democrats for everything. Who knows a backslider who's like that? I do. Well, I have an assignment for you this week. To reach out to them once again. Will you do that? And with that assignment, I want to give you a tool. One of Max Lucado's books. He printed this, I think, a couple years ago. I was able to acquire them for 99 cents, so I bought 50 of them. And... He's, he's a brilliant writer. It's one of his sermons he's done based on the passage in Second Chronicles of my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will heal their land. It's written in the context of the world's condition that we see that it's in and the need for America to return to God. But in in that subject matter, he brilliantly weaves a path for the backslider to come back to God. It's a little book called Turn. The chapters are turn toward God's glory, turn toward God in prayer, turn toward God's word, turn toward God in repentance. And so those of you that know someone like that, or maybe you're here like that yourself. You've not been following the Lord and you're you're alarmed at what you see happening in the earth. I would like to equip you with this book. Now, if you're going to give this to somebody else, I encourage you to read it first. It's fast moving. It has kind of artsy. Some of the the pages have giant words and small words, but you can read it in less than an hour. And read it first and then give it to them. Say, hey, I read a good book. Don't say, hey, the pastor got these for 99 cents and... And we're giving them to the backsliders who are concerned about the political condition of our world. No, say I read this book, and I think it has a message for you. And uh, you, you can open up any of the chapters and read it. It won't mess up, mess it up. And let's talk about it. Can we do that. So I need uh, three or four volunteers to help. Um, Greg, could you help these volunteers get, get these books in their hands and just... Uh, Raise your hand as they walk down your aisle and uh, get a book. No more than one book per family, and if we have some extras, I'll have them out on the for-your-table next Sunday. Just keep your hand raised till you get a book. Let's, uh, If you've gotten your book and your hands no longer raised, let's bow our heads and wait on the Lord for a minute. Father God, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that you'd use us effectively this week to reach out not only to unbelievers, but to believers who are not walking in faith, who are not walking in obedience to your will for their life. They're out of fellowship with you or with your people. Maybe they've been hurt by church or by their own doing and they're condemning themselves. Lord, use us to be effective ministers of your grace, to be salt and light in the world, but also in the church. So, Lord, we pray for these brothers and sisters. Lord, we mourn for them in prayer right now. and We say, Lord, fulfill your promise and restore comforts to them and use Generations Church to be effective to them. Lord, if they... Uh, We want to see them in church, in fellowship. And if you would send them here, that would be great. But Lord, if you'd send them somewhere, that would be best. And so Lord, we ask you to help the backsliders in our community and in our families and in our relationships to come back to you. And Lord, if we've hurt them in any, any way, Lord, help us to be quick to repent, to humble ourselves and admit our wrongdoing. In Jesus' name, Lord, let your word that we've heard today, let the global vision of our church become a reality, something we can put our teeth in and walk in as a mandate from heaven for us as believers, as families, as husbands and wives, moms and dads, as children and grandparents, Lord. Fellow believers and common disciples, Lord, being the body of Christ, salt and light in the world, in the world, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you are our Redeemer, And that you live. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in my in this room today, under the sound of my voice, who's not been following you, either they don't believe in you, I pray, Lord, that you would give them saving faith where they would just wake up and realize they believe that you are the Son of God, and that you died for their sins, and that you are risen from the dead. And Lord, I pray that those who do believe, but they don't not been walking in fellowship or in obedience i pray lord you generate in their heart a hunger for your house a hunger for a close relationship with you every day of their life in jesus name amen amen hallelujah thank you lord can can uh can you lead us in a song brother absolutely yeah Hallelujah. You guys come up and sing Salt and Light or something like that. Send us out, all right? Let's stand and worship the Lord. Oh,